LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Beyond politics, poverty and war. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Phil Escott, who joins us to discuss the possible benefits and potential challenges of a carnivore diet. Although vegetarian and vegan diets have long been promoted as healthier alternatives to the carbohydrate and sugar-saturated Western diet, in recent years much has been made of paleo, ketogenic, and similar low-carb diets which attempt to emulate the eating patterns, if not the entire lifestyle, of our ancient ancestors. There is another alternative, however, now re-emerging, which takes some of those ideas a stage further. The complete, or near-complete, carnivore diet. Controversial and subject to some scathing criticism, it nonetheless offers options to those finding their current food regime unsatisfying, unhealthy, or otherwise no longer acceptable. But making or even contemplating such a choice can be challenging, caught between the mainstream medical dogma of five a day, and healthy whole grains, and the sometimes savage attacks of vegan and veggie evangelists who believe that meat is murder, an atavistic throwback to be abandoned for the sake of the environmental, moral and spiritual well-being of the planet. The reality of the situation isn't quite so black and white, but in an age characterised by polarised politics and destructively divisive public debate, there's always more heat than light when arguments erupt on emotive subjects. Attempting to cut through the confusion and needless complexity, Eskett suggests some simple, straightforward strategies for those seeking lifestyle changes, starting with the larder. Hello and welcome, Phil, and uh, thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Well, thanks, Greg. It's the third time. It's a proper honour. Today, we're going to be talking about the carnivore diet come lifestyle, because these things do, our diet does tend to pan out into the rest of our lives. And um, we'd essentially sum it up as a carnivore diet in its purest form, I guess we would say, would be eat meat, drink water, and that's it, basically. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that as an approach to um, diet and health. Uh, we're also, of course, going to talk about the, the opposite side of the coin, vegetarianism, and particularly veganism and how these things all work together. And of course, along the way, we're going to get into the mainstream, if we can call it that, diet that most people in the West follow, which to some extent is, you know, meat and potatoes, fruit and vegetables, bread and pasta, just a bit of everything, really, and uh, where all that fits in. Uh, before we get started, uh, just tell listeners a little bit about yourself personally, in particular, why you and I are having this conversation, because they'll be saying like, okay, who is this Phil Escott fellow? What are his qualifications? What does he know about it? <laughs> yes, I know. It's, it's, you get that a lot, don't you? It's, it, the qualifications, well, absolutely no qualifications at all, except for just, you know, an enormous amount of life experience, I guess. I think, 
Um, well, I started off by eating a regular diet like everybody else, and then I, I went into macrobiotic and vegetarian and vegan and all of that sort of thing over the years and got, I mean, you know, millions of, of different ways of approaching things like the blood type diet and alkalinity, you know, the pH diet, all of these things, these different ways of looking at it. I've been fascinated to find a way of looking at diet that sort of gives you any sort of a clue as to what you should be doing. And I, th I wrote my first book on it back in 96 or so, and I'd already been looking at it for probably, you know, 20 years before that and experimenting on myself, particularly being part of the whole TM movement and getting that uh, vegetarian brainwashing from the sort of, um, you know, what, what the Indian gurus have told people, which a lot of it is misinterpreted from Ayurveda. But anyway, um, so, you know, after, after all of this time experimenting, um, I got very sick in 2010 with rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, which is pretty much the same thing. And that's been documented pretty well, I think, on, on when we've spoken before and also uh, on other things I've, I've, I've written and, and, and made my own little videos about to explain about that. But it was a huge learning curve when I got that sick uh, of, because I was vegetarian, thinking, right, I have to go even more vegan and raw vegan and fruitarian. You know, I've tried everything and I spent, you know, really persevered at all these different things. And it's been very interesting to now come back into, uh, you know, what people will often ridicule, the, the, the social media arena of, of the amount of people who've been doing this and discovered very much the same as I have. They go, oh, well, you can't tell without studies. But honestly, these days, that's a bit of an old way of thinking because there's so many thousands of anecdotes out there. And the people I work with now, I see them healing in the same, pretty much the same way. And they've often gone through this convoluted path because of all the weird dogma that's built up about diet. And so the huge amount of, of, uh, of, of anecdotal evidence now, and uh, it, 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 it adds up to a tidal wave of evidence that you could never even get from any randomized controlled trials or anything like that. Uh, and a lot of really, really, really good doctors are coming around to this way of thinking, too. Um, it, you know, it's not all about complete carnivory, but it does have its uses uh for reversing things and i do believe it's probably the most prized human food that, that that's been in existence and it's taken me you know decades to come to that simple conclusion um and so that's that's where i am now i guess i i've i've, I've been very very low carb and, and had wonderful results on that with basically um you know, meat, fish, eggs, uh, butter, um, animal fats, bone broths, that kind of thing, and a few non-starchy veg. But the miracle I've seen has been dropping out the last of the veg. And I've seen this in others as well. You know, it's not essential for everybody, of course. I, nobody's making any dogma here. But if you're failing on something, give it a go. What I say to people now is, you know, give carnivory 30 days, see what it does to you, and then add back in. And it's amazing the amount of people who don't add back in. But because of all the diet dogma we've had pushed onto us by every quarter, it's blasphemy to say that vegetables and fruit are not good for us. But I actually believe they're probably not, apart from in specific circumstances. Uh, just a quick note there. You mentioned TM in uh, your last segment. And I just for people who are wondering, that's Transcendental Meditation. Well, I suppose I should put my cards on the table then and say that for most of my life, I mean, I grew up eating meat and potatoes type of diet. That's what, you know, meat, potatoes, vegetables, that was largely what was available. Pasta wasn't really a thing unless you count spaghetti hoops in a tin. But I think <laughs> even that gives pasta a bad name. 
<laughs> and uh, we certainly ate a lot of bread as well. Uh, so that's what I grew up eating. It's what my grandparents ate. And in fact, they were generally very healthy. I think the key there was that what they were eating was very much unprocessed. Um, so it was very good quality butter, very good bread, very good meat, very good vegetables in terms of, you know, the, the amount of processing or additives that were involved there. And apart from experimenting with vegetarianism when I was about 19, um, I've eaten very similar kind of pattern most of my life. The vegetarian thing was really an experiment. It wasn't really a moral animal welfare situation. It was just an experiment to see how I would feel because I started reading about vegetarianism. Uh, but of course, at 19, I could have pretty much have drunk pints of Jack Daniels every day and eaten cigarettes and I still would have been okay. It didn't really, it didn't really tell me anything about, you know, my body didn't change. Particularly. If anything, I lost a little bit of weight when I did, really didn't need to. But as far as the carnivory goes, I will just say that there is nothing else that I can say that I get the visceral satisfaction out of eating other than meat and to some extent fish. And it's the one thing that I can have on its own that will tick all the boxes and I will not feel that I'm missing out on anything at all. Cheese does that a little bit, but if I had to, and this is for no consideration of health or moral issues or sustainability or anything, if I had to choose one food type, that I had to eat for the rest of my life, I would have to say it's going to have to be meat because it's the one thing that I I will always look forward to eating. I don't go, oh God, not this again, you know. Well, I think I think it's it's the only thing that you can eat and tick all the boxes nutritionally. You know that if you if you look at human history, where where people did eat a lot of vegetables and fruits, that it was a very varied diet, and 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 but the Inuit. You know, they ate meat and fish, and they didn't really get anything else. Um, I, I, there was a there was an interesting point you made earlier on about people being healthy on those old sort of rice and uh, sorry, sort of potatoes and meat and two veg diets. And I agree. I, I think I think this is this is probably the, be- the 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 biggest point. We won't discuss this much because it's not really the point of the of this interview. But I would love to bring it up, and that is that the reason for that is not just dietary and it's not just pesticides and it's not just processed foods. It's that the world is changing. You know, we're flooded with artificial light. We're flooded with EMFs. We, we're facing so many other um, cellular disruptors that you can't get away. You can't stay healthy on the, the diets that our grandparents were staying healthy on. This is what's puzzling people, I think. And it's what puzzled me for ages that I didn't figure out. And you have to look for the least inflammatory diet and uh, and then use that, particularly if you've got something to reverse. You know, when I was on what would be considered a very healthy, balanced, oh, I hate that expression, balanced, because it always means some real foods along with other crap. You know, when people say I have a balanced diet. But if I was eating what would be considered a healthy diet full of fruits and veg and whatever, and I, I got very sick. Um, and I was in tremendous pain. And if anybody knows about inflammatory markers, um, uh, you know, my CRP was like it's 65 or 85 and, uh, and the ESR erythrocyte sedimentation rate, whatever was, was 65 or 85. I forget which, but that means the body's pretty much on fire and my joints were, were exploding and all of that. Now, meat is supposed to be inflammatory and I was eating loads of fruit and veg back then. Now I've eaten nothing but, but meat fat egg yolks, butter, uh, a bit of cheese for the past 
couple of years now with the odd slip up that we'll come to but but no no fibrous material whatsoever nothing that would be considered part of a five a day and i got some blood results yesterday it was interesting actually it's good it did nicely timed but i got some blood results in and everything was perfect and the inflammatory markers were down very low crp is down very low way way below what they consider is is a, a normal range and this is for somebody supposedly with autoimmunity with with taking no medications and uh they did say oh your cholesterol's up a little bit but like sean baker said who is the the doc who you're aware of who who started off this whole world carnivore month and, and n equals many website and all that kind of thing and he, when he was having his blood test done, he's saying, isn't it, isn't it strange that any diet that makes every other level perfect and yet the cholesterol goes up a bit, is that not a reflection on the cholesterol theory rather than the diet? And I think it is because most people who have heart attacks have low cholesterol anyway. It's, it's not, it, high cholesterol is nothing that worries me. I went in there and got the results. I got a printout and everything. And I, 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 you know, the nurse in there, she was, she was saying, I said, well, you know, that, uh, oh, that's perfect, isn't it? You know, I've been on a really, really zero carb diet for a couple of years. Having the cholesterol up a bit is perfect. And she went, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and it was like, it is, yes, it is a con to sell statins, this, this whole thing. I think even, even the, the medical profession is realizing this now. So yes, I, I, you know, everybody's always asking for saying, oh, well, you'll be in a terrible shape. You'll be close to death. You'll be, and all that. But, Every day things seem to get better and 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 meet this meat heels hashtag that everybody's got. It really seems to. If somebody's in trouble, coming back to meat, it seems to be the most basic human food. And it is very, very healing for the gut and it's incredibly easy to digest. It gets a root uh, gets a, a reputation for being difficult to digest, but it isn't at all. We have all the, the, the enzymes to do it, you know, and to break down all the starchy vegetables, we, we need uh certain bacteria um and, and and other processes and this is what often causes the problems with with people who are autoimmune and that why they can have reactions to vegetables as well now when when you when you're talking about reactions to vegetables i i even think yeah well you, you know it's been quite established if you want, want to look into that more check out a doctor called dr georgia ede ede and she does some great talks about the uh, the poisons in veg, the salicylates, the lectins, the oxalates. I fell foul of them with spinach. My God, the kidney stones. Oh, oh. none since I've been completely carnivore and protein supposed to make kidney stones. But no, it doesn't. So, yeah, I, I think that maybe somebody who's eating the veg, even if they're really healthy and doing everything right and they're living in the sun and they've got their feet on the ground, then maybe even a little of, 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 of what stresses you does you good. You know, but once your gut's broken and you don't have to be a full on arthritic like I was, but people who have little bits of irritable bowel or they're bloated all the time or this or that, they should have no worries about cutting veg out to, to reset. Now, I, I think there's so many poisons in veg and the fiber causes most of the problems that it's said to to cure. When you drop the fiber out of your diet after a couple of weeks of resetting, you get the best bowels and best digestion, best elimination ever. It's, it's, it's an absolute revelation. So, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, that anybody needs it. Now, fruit, there's a case for fruit because, uh, you know, in the, in, when it's in season, you're picking some berries off the trees, but we're probably designed to do this, you know, not trees, but bushes. I'm sorry. You know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be designed to do this, but, you know, sugary fruit in the winter, it's, it's not, it's not optimal at all. But berries, yeah, polyphenols, things like that. They're, 
you know, I heard Jack Cruz on about it the other day saying, you know, it, 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 it helps with autophagy and apoptosis, you know, the, the turnover of cells, the, the cleaning of the body when you're cycling these things seasonally. But as a reset, your average person sitting in the north of England, like you and I are, you know, at this kind of latitude, there is no harm in the winter to be really, really uh, zero carb and carnivore. And it, it resets things. And then in the summer, when the sun comes out, see how your body feels. Yeah, well, a couple of points from all that, just to stress again, is seasonality, as you've just said, and also whereabouts you are in the world. And that also brings in what your genetic background is in terms of, you know, what food you'd be used to eating. Uh, you mentioned the Inuit a while ago, you know, how their diet would be very much dictated by where they were, uh, what wasn't available, what was. And so the idea, uh, and, I, and I see people all the time, you know, people at work or whatever, people popping out to get their lunch while they're on their lunch break and coming out of um, Tesco with their little punnets of fruit salad and grapes and melons and pineapple. And, you know, this is like in January in England, you know, and it's, it's, this is not the sort of thing traditionally that they would have been eating in this part of the world, particularly at this time. I mean, obviously, when globalization began to occur, international travel, then all sorts of foodstuffs went here, there and everywhere. That period is still a relatively short period of time. And certainly human evolution uh, operates much more slowly than that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I think... Um... I think fruit has kind of been designed to be eaten so that the seeds can be spread, you know. So if we're just pooing it all down the toilet, it's really a bit of a waste of, a t of time for the poor fruit plant. So we're supposed to be going out spreading those seeds, and, and, and that's what fruit's kind of designed to be eaten for. But, but vegetables aren't really designed to be eaten. And, and when you say, you know, the people, the people picking all these uh, little bowls of fruit and stuff, we've, we've been hor horribly misled that this is healthy. And, you know, I'm never one to say that somebody should do this or should do that. I, all I say is, know what's the truth. You know, I probably drink too much Malbec wine. And, and, and I'll do a few other things that aren't particularly good for me. But I know they're not that good for me. Um, although I have to say that when I used to eat a load of carbs, I had liver disease. I had fatty liver disease and I had cysts on my liver. And I was teetotal. They asked me if I was a heavy drinker. Now, going back for my blood tests... Um, I had the liver function test done as well, which is why I actually went, because I thought, actually, I've been caning the mole back a bit. I wonder if I've done myself any harm here. Liver results were perfect. So it just shows that a, uh, a whole load of bread and pasta and rice damages your liver probably more than alcohol. Not saying that excessive alcohol is good, but the combination of the two is deadly. So, you know, we, we, it, it's the stresses that are put on by the foods that we're told are healthy. And like you say, when, globalization came and, and, and they're bringing these things in out of season it's against the whole circadian biology and that's the key to it now i would say i think you're probably right about the genetics but i don't know i'm not a geneticist and i don't know what part that plays in it um but uh, i i do think that that light cycles have m a bigger bearing than genetics epigenetics always has more effect than genetics um so, you know, an Inuit on the equator will deal with fruit better than, than, than he will in his home country. In the same way, the, the polar explorers that used to pack rice and beans, they used to die of scurvy, whereas the Inuit didn't, you know, that, and they'd have probably got away with that a bit better in the sun, these, the, 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 the polar explorers, but they should have eaten a, a traditional diet. Whereas if you actually look at, um, 
the proper old old info about the Inuit, like the Stephenson's book, Fat of the Land. I'm only halfway through that so far. I think I'm the only carnivore who hasn't read it, but it's actually, it's a great book. And he was with them in the you know early 1900s when they were eating their traditional diet. They didn't have any any uh, even any cavities. In fact, cavities were unknown. I think in Iceland on their on, on the, their traditional diet uh, before 1800. You can see in these old um, a Western Price found pretty much the same thing. You know, the more grains that a, an indigenous culture was eating, um, the more uh, dental problems they had. And this is it. I mean, every every time I go to the dentist, it's there's just nothing. Nothing happens. We've got one one filling in our whole family, and um, and and that was put in years ago, and it probably wasn't necessary anyway because you actually see people's enamel healing up on a carnivore diet when when they have dental caries um, and the very very bad teeth among vegetarians and vegans very high sugar diet so so yes it's it's about light cycles where, where are you what can you do i think though that trumps genetics every time genetics obviously will have a bearing but we we can never really know that you know we can never really look into that it's too complicated to see and we get too hung up in science but we do know whether the sun's out if the sun's out and you're next to a blackberry bush eat them you know, if you've tramped across to, to, to Asda um, uh, in the snow, ignore the bananas. It's fairly simple. Uh, you've touched a couple of times upon uh, you know, light pollution and electromagnetic pollution. Uh, we discussed those issues a lot more in another interview that we did. Uh, listeners can find a link to that on the interview page for this talk. Uh, talking about traditional diet, I remember very well the first time we got taught anything about food diet at school it was the old uh, food pyramid i think had just come in uh, you'll be familiar with this and i'm interested to to note actually this cropped up again very recently within the last few days that i was reading something and it's kind of still there i think i might have seen it on a public information poster somewhere and it kind of hasn't changed even as all sorts of health problems in the greater population again we're mostly talking about a western population here and the diets associated with that lifestyle uh you know there's been some persistent rises i mean cancers on the up diabetes the list goes on uh, absolutely i, I mean <laughs> we um we just reversed my mum's breast cancer she's 94 and I think there's a little talk, if, if you look up reversing breast cancer on my name, you can see a little talk and even the gruesome pics that I've done, um, that I was taken out of a, a talk I did a little while ago uh, to some um, medical professionals. And, and we did it with a very, very low carb, high meat diet, um, practically all meat, really, apart from the old bit of Greek yogurt and honey and a few berries. Um, and, and she, we reversed the cancer. Now it wasn't all down to that. We did a few other things and specifically an iodine protocol because quite often the hormonally driven, uh, uh tumors are to do with iodine depletion and, and thyroid. And you see, see, I'm really, I'm really not a doctor. I don't want to get myself in hot water here, but I kind of pick up what to do, not exactly the chemical processes. But anyway, we did, re we, we did reverse it. Um, and, uh, and it, it just goes to show that, that, it really, if you, if you fed somebody 100% meat diet and they've already got cancer, surely they'd go downhill really, really fast, wouldn't they? I, uh, I, I think, uh, I think that, that shows. I mean, it's, it, okay, it's an isolated incident, but it isn't really because I picked that up from other people who've done it. This is, this isn't stuff that I'm figuring out. Yeah, yeah, the food pyramid, the food. It's interesting, isn't it? I, how on earth did that come about? All based on pseudoscience. 
it's another it's another cool that we're talking today because I saw on Twitter and I, I, I seen Mal Hotra tweeted, but and he's doing so much good work. He's a cardiologist who wrote this book, The Piopi Diet, and, and he's bringing this kind of awareness to, to a lot of people to stop being so silly about saturated fats and stuff. But it's a, there's, a, there's a headline on the Express today, I think it's today, and it says, uh, obesity crisis blamed on NHS misinformation. I might have quoted that slightly wrong, but that's basically what it says. And it's great. I mean, obviously, it's the tabloid press. So the next day they'll be saying the food pyramid's great. And we should all be on statins. You know, they do they do alternate. And it takes some discrimination to know when they're close to the truth or not, which most people won't know. So they end up tremendously confused. And they really believe that that, that whole grains are doing them good and that uh, they need their five a day and that saturated fat is bad. And it's leading us into this black hole of uh, of, of, uh, of chronic disease. And it's a shame because everybody gets caught up on the diet side and they don't see that if they understood the light cycle, the diet side pretty much makes sense on its own because of all the dogmas built up around diet, we can't just see where are you on the planet. Grains have obviously harmed us. If you look at, at, at uh, anthropology and you look at the bone records, when we started farming, the grains started to harm us. The brains got smaller, the, the skeletons got shorter, you know, the people were getting shorter. Uh, there were obviously uh, diseases in the bones, arthritis and osteoporosis were starting to appear, the teeth were going bad. So, you know, agriculture was obviously a bad move for the human race, uh, and we've made many in our history. Um, so if we go back beyond those 10,000 years, that's all I do. I just think, well, where am I on the planet? What would it offer me at this time of year? Um, and, 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 and eat that, ignoring the grains. Say, okay, we're more than 10,000 years ago. We haven't got big millstones. We're, I'm in some little woad hut somewhere and I'm going out and hunting for my food. What would I eat? And you can get pretty close to it. But in the middle of that, there really is this thing that meat has been so highly prized, particularly fatty meat. All the way back to Cain and Abel. You know, in the Bible, they, they Cain was a, which way round was it? Cain was a tiller of the soil and Abel was a shepherd or something. And so Cain offered God some, some sort of produce, you know, and, uh, and Abel offered him some, some fatty meat and God really liked the fatty meat and he didn't like the five a day, you know, he wasn't interested. <laughs> so even, even back then, you know, even God doesn't like his five a day. So, and all the way through human history, they didn't, ca they, you know, they didn't kill the fatted turnip when the prodigal son came back. It's in every culture they celebrate when a kill is made and, and, and meat comes through. And always humans are fine on 100% meat when they do it. The people who I see on these groups, it's not just a fad diet. I, I think the fad diet is all the wholemeal bread and pasta and rice and cereals. This is the fad diet. We haven't been doing it for that long. So when people say it's a fad diet, don't take into account human history. And so, you know, it's very beloved of the vegans to say, oh, this is a very high fat, dangerous diet. But they're so way behind with all the, the saturated fat thing. Surely they should have let go of that by now, even if they haven't let go of the meat thing by now. And it's always been prized for a reason that we can live on it exclusively. In my first book, I wrote about how we were herbivores and our chimpanzees are our nearest relatives and they predominantly vegetation. And really, it's a very short sighted way to look at it because we're not seeing what's happening in the digestive tract in detail and how we've become adapted to this over the years. No, we don't have big canine teeth. We do have kind of small ones. But, you know, vegans say, uh, oh, well, would you rip into a carcass and would you eat raw meat? Well, I wouldn't personally. But if I if I wasn't well by now, I would, because 
going from very low carb with the last few veg into carnivory has has sorted me out. But I see some people that doesn't quite do that, but it's other people who have their final bit of success story when they go raw carnivorous. So yes, of course we're adapted to it. And and people, yes, they do rip uh, carcasses to bits, as the vegans like to say. And very healthy it is too. We have to probably get through a bit of brainwashing. Not only that, but there's even people who um, who eat high meat, you know, who are eating meat too, which is essentially rotten. And this is probably the most powerful probiotic you can get. That's an incredible medicine, as long as you know what you're doing with it. But there are people having great results with that. I'm not there yet. I very much doubt if I'll ever eat high meat. Well, if, if I have to, I'll know that that is a technique I need to go. I've gone probably as far as you can go into carnivory, apart from those last two, two stages, raw and, 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 and high. Um, you know, but gamey meat has been used for, for centuries. They, we, we, we don't have a problem with that. The Inuit also used to have a lot of their fish rotten, so that it was practically falling to bits. Um, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Other things we ferment and, and, and we, you know, cheeses are all fermented. Brie is. It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, so it, there's nothing wrong with that. We're so frightened of bacteria, whereas we are uh, beings of bacteria. So, you know, let's not get frightened of them. I think we need to get frightened of our cleaning agents more than the bacteria. Well, I can't remember the Norwegian name for it, but they have a dish that's fermented shark, uh, which the prepar- pre- preparation instructions are essentially uh, take the fish you know, on the beach, you know, bury it, and then come back a few months later and eat. <laughs> that's what it, yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been in all those northern northern cultures: the Sami, the the Inuit, you know, the yeah, the Icelanders. It's it's uh, yeah, it's it, people are forgetting this. They're forgetting about our heritage, and I know how difficult it is. I know how impossible it is for people to accept that carnivory is perfectly healthy, because I was. I was not only fascinated with diet, but I was also really open to any new idea. And it took me decades to, to, to uncover this because even though I was looking, there was still so many layers that would keep me from this. But when you just say, all right, enough, it, it came clear to me when I said enough. I'm not listening to any more diet gurus whatsoever. No more, none. All I'm going to do is look at bone records. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to listen to anthropologists and people who really did live with these ancestral tribes and 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 documented their diseases, their dental health, you know, their, their exactly what they ate through the different seasons. And a completely different picture emerges when you look at that. You never have to listen to any diet guru ever again. You just have to look at the seasons and just be confident that you should eat what the planet provides and not be frightened of meats and fats. This is nonsense. Well, as for tearing carcasses to to pieces um if we think about killing animals birds fish or whatever for food and then preparing them uh we've just got out of the habit of doing that if you see what i mean but even i mentioned my grandparents even as late as their generation you know growing up the interwar years and after um preparing you know an animal carcass almost from scratch uh, wasn't unusual at all. They were well used to doing that. So they didn't, they didn't gag. They didn't have to run outside holding their nose if they were asked to prepare, um, you know, meat or fish in that way. Um, so for a lot of people, I know we 
someone like you probably gets asked, you know, well, you know, would you be able to go out and kill a deer and gut it and skin it and all the rest of it? And if you don't have those skills, well, that's hardly surprising. There's a lot of, a lot of other things that we've forgotten about. But most people, one thing I can do is grow my own vegetables. I'll tell you that. And I'd imagine a lot of vegetarians or vegans or whatever couldn't actually prepare their own food from scratch. So I, I don't really accept the kind of the, the killing and preparing an animal argument because no i haven't done it and i can't do it but that could change if it had to if you see what i mean so it's just about more about the modern uh, way of life and again industrialization and processing and how things are done exactly it's, it's it's a reflection of the culture isn't it you know i mean i i fish most of the time i spend fishing for carp so the big old carp that i would get murdered if i killed and they don't taste very nice anyway so you know they're 30 40 years old so back they go to 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 um for somebody else to catch but um, if I go trout fishing and they're not pellet-fed trout, I'll, I'll kill them and take them home and eat them. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I have no problem with death, none whatsoever. I, nature kills other animals. It, it, it happens all the time. What I do have a problem with is suffering. I think we create, as humans, a, a tremendous amount of unnecessary suffering. And the vegans are always going on about the factory-farmed animals. And that, you know, I, I, I just do such a big face palm every time one of them comes up and goes, oh, well, your diet is, is, is so cruel to, well, it, it, I would agree with them more than they would know about factory farming. I think every aware carnivore would because it doesn't provide the healthiest meat. It causes tremendous suffering to the animals and it also perpetuates this dreadful farming that, uh, that ruins the soil, ruins the ecology kills untold whole species um, and chews them up in the combine harvesters. This is the stuff that the vegans eat. So their diet is not without compassion. It's, it's ruining the ecology completely. What fascinates me now is, um, is, is things like Soil Carbon Cowboys and the Savory Institute. Alan Savory's TED Talk is a bit eye-opening. Uh, he's going on about rewilding the deserts and putting um, putting animals back on and how once the, the, the ruminant animals go back on and they start leaving their poo all over the place and it fertilizes everything and the land comes to life again. And the ecosystems are restored. If we got into some of these uh, grain and soy, that's a thought, isn't it? You know, the vegans are always liberating these animals. We should just take a load of her herds of cows and start to liberate these grain and soy plantations. Just get them in there and they'll be happy. They'll be on the grass and then they do get killed to be eaten. They do. But this is nature. This is what happens. You know, you don't see a vegan standing in between a lion and its prey shouting about animal rights. The, the only question we have to answer is, are we adapted to eating meat and is it incredibly healthy and healing for us? And the answer to those questions is yes, it definitely is. So vegans usually haven't tried this. They are in their first dietary experiment. They, they've decided, OK, we're going to go from eating all this McDonald's stuff. We're going to be vegan and they'll get initial results, which will blow up in time. Uh, but those initial results get them sometimes very evangelical. And they don't realize that those diets are, are really destroying the land. And, you, you know, they, they, these are not even the cows that we bred for food that wouldn't even exist in a vegan world. They're, they're wild animals. They're animals in their natural habitat that we're making extinct so that we can feed people with these farty grains and soya that are destroying the health of the people as well. It's an immense illusion. Immense illusion. We should just team up, the vegans and the carnivores, and find a way to get rid of factory farming. 
and, and if they want to grow their own vegetables and not eat um, not eat the animals, good on them. Whatever they want to do, it's their own business. I, I'm not I'm not into converting anybody. The only time I ever say to somebody you should really go carnivore is is, is when I I talk to uh, people with autoimmunity and whatever a lot and, and digestive issues and diabetes and uh, and obesity, and I know that if they go carnivore, they're going to have spectacular results. Where they are on low carb as well, but you see, low carb is a little bit complicated. For most people, you get into this, oh, let's balance this up. Let's track these macros. Let's see how many carbs I'm getting, how much fat I'm getting, uh, all of this sort of thing. And it gets a bit complicated and confusing. Whereas if you say to somebody, tell you what, for 30 days, just get ribeye steaks and bung some butter on them if you want. Put a bit of Himalayan salt on or, oh, well, I don't know. There's some, there's some doubts about Himalayan. Now, let's say Celtic sea salt. You know, put a bit of that on and just eat it once a day, twice a day for 30 days. And then you tell me how you feel. You tell me how your inflamed joints are feeling. And so you can see this. It's to that it's safe. And uh, and yeah, so I think the simplicity of it is so beautiful, too. I love it now. I used to go down two aisles in the supermarket. Now I go down one. I just go down the meat aisle. That is if I haven't got if I'm not going to my local farmer, which I'd much rather do because it's beautiful, beautiful meat, totally grass-fed and really well cared for. But unfortunately, because it's such a niche market, it's so expensive. I wish I could eat like that all the time, but I can't. So, yes, I pick the Irish stuff and the Scottish stuff that is pretty much predominantly grass-fed, and I'll go down that aisle in the supermarket. I don't even, I even ignore the veg aisle. Oh, I'll nip into the butter aisle for some Kerrygold, you know. But that's it. That's that. That's all I get, really. And it's so simple. You get a leg of lamb, you bung it in the oven. You have some some bones that are free from the butcher. You put them in the slow cooker and, and you know, simmer them for 30 days. You get really nice gravy. And it's such a lovely way to eat. It's so simple. And after a while, your tastes refine. And and you think, I, I think, what do I want today? Do I want some fish or, or, or do, I, do I feel like some lamb or do I feel like some beef? And it really doesn't go outside that now. Chicken once a month maybe i had a big feast on chicken yesterday but it's not fed on very good stuff so I, I don't generally do it enough for most people they wouldn't even notice but for me i'll feel a little little tiny bit of inflammation coming through from that corn it's sort of walking corn these days so not so much chicken but yeah now and again if my body tells me I'll, then i'll eat it um so you know it's it, it it makes you it's very simple to do simple to understand beautifully heals the gut and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, there we go. Very easy to understand. Well, yeah, then two points I'm just going to re-emphasize there is that industrialized large scale farming is very damaging on the whole. And we, there's a bigger issue there, which is not really within our remit today to discuss. And that is where we're headed as a species, you know, in terms of population and what we need to do to try and feed that population. There's lots of competing ideas there on what needs to happen. We could get into talking about GMOs, etc. Uh, but ultimately, it seems to be some sort of like, you know, people have seen the film uh, Soylent Green with Charlton Heston. You know, <laughs> there's, there's going to be like one type of food, not suggesting it will get as, as dark as that, but, you know, almost like there has to be some kind of Franken food that comes out of factories with chemicals, because that's the only way we're going to be able to put, food, you know, food on the, the plates of uh, increasing billions of people. Uh, so industrialized farming, yet yeah, tremendous problem, and quality is key. When we're no matter what sort of food we're consuming, it's trying to ensure that quality. And as far as meat is concerned, that the welfare of animals concerned, and that they have got some kind of life. Because I'm not interested in eating 
uh, meat of an animal that has suffered needlessly and terribly. And there's all sorts of reasons for that, the most basic of which is the quality of the meat. Uh, but I don't like to see any creature suffering unduly. Uh, there's, just that, there's no need for it, really. But that, again, is the system that we've made. And mentioning quality, I'll just briefly say you often get reports by bodies such as the World Health Organization, and they'll talk about the you know damaging results of a high meat diet, high fat diet. But what they generally tend to focus on are people or lifestyles that are not just eating meat, but people who are eating a load of processed crap of all types. You know, remember the famous book that came out back in the late 90s or early 90s, Fast Food Nation, and the guy who wrote that then did an experiment where he ate only McDonald's burgers for a month. And of course he got terribly ill, but that's because it's garbage. So you can't cite reports that are based on people eating turkey dinosaurs and then you know, make a direct, <laughs> a direct correlation between that and what you're talking about. Exactly. There's never been a study done. Well, the, the only study really that's been done is is on Stephenson and his mate. Um, I, I forget his name, Anderson, I think. Uh, anyway, when he came back from the Arctic, uh, um, they, they didn't believe him that he'd lived for years on just meat. And so they bunged him in a, a lab, you know, and for a couple of years they... They ate meat. Always, maybe it was just a year, but but you know the doctors were saying after two weeks they're going to have scurvy or this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and they were totally fine. In fact, their body composition got better. They lost fat. They they were totally healthy. Um, Anderson had had a different lifestyle in between, and he had gone off and done some farming, and and he was starting to lose his hair, and he was a bit fat. And stuff stuff had happened. A load of things resolved on that on that year on all meat, and and anyway. The docs were pretty amazed. Um, so there is only that study, but of course nobody accepts it because it was just two people. But to me, the studies are the Inuit, the Sami and the Maasai, you know, they've eaten like that forever and, and they're absolutely fine. You mentioned how are we going to feed everybody like that? And this is what vegans say. And to me, this is as idiotic as saying, well, not everybody can have an Aston Martin. So everybody should just give up their Aston Martins and go and get a Reliant Robin. Well, no, you know, if you feed the world on grains and, and pulses, there's going to be a huge rise in, in, in all of this autoimmunity stuff. And it's not going to be healthy. How are we going to do it? Yes, frankenfoods. The vegans say, well, would you eat uh, factory created um, um, uh, meat? Uh, and, and I say, well, probably not, actually, because we just don't know. Whenever humans start messing about with things, something goes wrong. And we don't know really what we're doing. I don't know what would happen with a load of meat grown under artificial light in a lab. I, I, you know, we need sunlight on these animals. We have not been able to reproduce nature yet. I should think probably the best way <coughs> to, to, to feed everybody is if we start to get used to the idea of eating insects. Uh, it, presuming we don't rewild the land, if somebody looks at the Savory Institute and see his ideas, would probably easily feed the whole world because most of the land out there that's used for animal grazing is not suitable for crops. You know, it's up high, it's on the side of mountains, it's all, all over the place. Um, so it, it's really, it's really not a question of getting rid of all the animals and planting all this horrendous, uh, soy and quinoa and crap. So, so perhaps we have to eat a load of insects if we don't rewild the land. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're natural things and that many, many cultures eat them. It, it's good, it's good food. So, I, I don't know where we're going to go with that. I said to a vegan the other day when they said, if you uh, would you eat lab created meat so that you didn't have all this cruelty? And I said, well, would you eat lab created tofu so that you didn't destroy the environment with your soy? 
So uh, it's I I don't know these Franken foods. We've gone so far down the wrong path. It's it's hard to say how far down we'll have to go before we turn around. Uh, but I would say in an ideal world, yeah, rewild the land, get the big herds back on, eat some insects. So there's easily enough to feed the planet on 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 meat if we do those things. Well, uh, my comment really just on that bigger picture, bigger issue is simply that it's, and it's one that I've addressed in dozens and dozens of talks that people can find on the website is that as a, as the whole industrial civilization lifestyle that, w- that we are part of, particularly in the West is unsustainable anyway. So therefore by hook or by crook, by choice or through force, that's going to gradually change over time and with it will change the food that we produce and the food that we eat. So that's just the way things are going to pan out as, as best as I can see it at the moment. Now you were talking about conversations with vegans and other people who are not, not used to the, the current li- lifestyle that you're following or think there's something wrong with it or are curious about it and think there might be something right in it. All of this involves a lot of discussion and you are you are advocating this, as you've already said, under certain circumstances and in a particular way. Nobody's wanting to be militant about it. But I remember back, um, I mean, low carb has certainly been a thing in paleo. Those have been quite trendy now for some time, just as ve- veganism has been on the rise as well. I remember back when the Atkins diet came out, you know, the, the, the storm of criticism that that attracted. This reminds us that in all of this, we very much get bogged down in black and white thinking and people do get militant and they do think that that's their way or the highway. Um, this results then in these sort of discussions quite often, um, a lot of noise and not so much signal. And that, that's definitely a, an issue that you see, particularly with your online engagement with people on these issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, I do get, I do get a lot of, uh, really hostile stuff. I mean, sometimes my eyes just bug out with the things that vegans say. Now, please, I, I, I do not think black and white, and I don't lump all vegans in like this. I should think there's only one in a hundred vegans who are, who are like this. But when they do get their bee in a bonnet, a bee in their bonnet about something like this, and, and you end up being called an animal rapist and a, a murderer and an abuser of your children for feeding them like this. I mean, my kids are amazing. They're, they're, they're muscular. They're lean. They're, my daughter doesn't, uh, my, my son is preschool age. Uh, my, my daughter is never off school. Um, she, you know, when all the other carb eating kids are, are in bed and, you know, sports day a little while ago, she was, um, she, she's not even particularly competitive with that. And then she set off running. <laughs> there was this moment where she sort of looked back and it was like, where are you all? It was a puzzlement. It wasn't, she wasn't even trying to win. And it, it isn't even that, that she's something extremely special. She isn't. We're just feeding her a human diet. Whereas these other poor kids aren't. They are turkey uh, dinosaurs, turkey dinosaurs, turkey dinosaurs and, and Haribo, you know, constantly. And, and, but everybody knows that Haribo isn't that great. So they go, oh, it's a little treat, which, but, but the problem is the stuff that they're feeding them that they think is healthy. You know, the whole grains and this and that and fruit and, and low fat yogurts that are all stuffed with sugar and all this crap that you get. And, and, and they've, at their school, they've got the, you know, it's like the, the pyramid, the food pyramid, but it's called the eat well plate. And, and they've, they've made these kids created out of papier mache. And there's this plate with all these sections and the biggest section is bread and pasta and rice and crap like that. And you can sort of understand that because of the brainwashing, but there's even a section for sweets on it. I mean, if you're saying an ideal diet, 
Would you actually put sweets on it? Would anyone in their right mind put sweets on it? And then make the kids make it and then put it on the wall with a big sign underneath saying, and of course, always take the low fat option. It's, it's no wonder all the kids are, 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 are flabby. I, I don't know whether I mentioned this in an interview before, but I went to a, um, a day where they invite you in for, to, to see what the kids are eating, you know, and you're invited in to have lunch with them. And, and I was sitting there. And I'm a good 20 years old. You know, this is my second family. I have a son of 28. I have a son of two and a daughter of nine. And it was a couple of years ago. And, and I went in, sat next to my daughter. And she said to me, can I eat the bread roll? It, it, it was a horrible lunch of sort of dry chicken breast with, uh, with with no fat on it. And then this broccoli that looked like it had been done in the washing machine all night. <laughs> <laughs> And, and this was supposed to be showing off about the healthy diet. And then there was like a, a bread roll and, and, and a low-fat yogurt stuffed with sugar and artificial coloring. So she said, can I eat the bread roll? And I said, well, you do what you want. You know what it does. And I could see these other parents glowering at me, but this is a whole meal roll. And then I noticed I was a good 20 years older than most of the parents sitting around that table. And we were sitting on these kiddie chairs. And I was the only parent whose ass could actually fit on the kiddie chairs. <laughs> I thought... You know, there's really something going wrong here. There's so much misinformation. And the problem with the vegan thing is, you see, I, I have a lot of people come to me and I help them out with their with with their health issues. I Skype them. I see them personally. And I see the most beautiful health turnarounds. The reason I have anything against veganism, I don't have anything against vegans. I really want to make this clear. I have something against veganism. You know, it's a religion. It's not a diet. If somebody comes to me who's a McDonald's eater and I say to them, hey, eat a steak, you know, uh, eat a steak for every meal, put the butter on it. They go, oh, that's interesting. Go, I'll try that. And they do it and they get better very quickly. A vegan comes along and they go, oh, I could never do that. Oh, no, I've got, oh, this, you know, even if they're, they're uh, very reasonable ones who aren't going to start screaming at me for being a rapist of cows. Um, and, 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 and they're much, they're, they're impossible to heal because you're going to get rid of all this very, very convincing brainwashing with, with people out there like Durian Rider and Mike the Vegan and these ridiculous films like Cowspiracy and Forks Over Knives and, and the worst one of What the Health. Oh my God. And, and people are taken in. If you're, if you're, if you're on a standard diet and you're sick and then you suddenly see something like What the Health, you're going to be taken in. And it's, I think it's really, really abusing people because it's horrendous misinformation. They're saying things in there like meat causes diabetes. You know, I mean, I mean, this is, Whatever you think about what meat does, this is physiologically impossible. Um, so it, it's it's all the high carb, high sugar things. So they end up sort of fruitarian um, uh, when they got diabetes or something. It's, I mean, it's a perfect storm for, for for tremendous problems. So this is what I have against veganism: that that they that it's it's a really it, it's an insidious religion that's spreading. I, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit, you know, it's all right. They're just a bit misguided. <clears throat> but actually having looked into it, seeing what it's doing to people and how it's spreading like wildfire now, I, I do actually think that 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 I, I can get a little bit more vocal, a bit a bit stronger against it. Um, you know, if, if somebody decides to experiment with it, they can actually plant or a bit of a medicine and, and, you know, three months vegan or juicing or something like that can have its uses in certain circumstances. Um but I think long term, it, it, it's very damaging and, and they'll end up with deficiencies and problems that are very difficult to turn around. 
you see an awful lot of depression, suicidal tendencies, uh, bipolar, all the sort of things that is so far removed from the gut that people don't associate it with the gut and, and with deficiencies. And so people aren't seeing that. And so then the vegans, they'll get onto antidepressants and whatever, never associating it with their diet. So I don't mind what, 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 what anybody does and whatever experiments they do, but it's, the, it's the, the religion of veganism that really, really is starting to get to me. Every time I talk to a vegan, it's exactly the same uh, pattern. This is why I continue, just to see if it's going to go, because I could, I could use their side of it as well. You know, I could, I could uh, you know, say I'm tweeting with one, and, and each, each tweet, I know exactly what they're going to say, exactly where they're going to go. It's exactly the same process. There's this, and then they'll link to that, and then they'll link to the meat studies by the WHO, and, and, and then they'll link to, uh, uh, you know, the, um, um, Grieger and, and his things, this great doctor, you know, who looks like he's got sarcopenia, who's, who's going on about veganism, who's really wasting away. Uh, and, and he really should, I think, look in the mirror, Dr. Greger, before, before he, he goes on about the diet anymore. But anyway, it, it always goes, and then they start screaming for studies. And even if you do show them studies, this is the weird thing, because there are many, many studies out there now uh, on low-carb diets, um, even zero-fiber diets where people are having their constipation cured, which is supposed to be exactly what shouldn't happen. They're all out there. They're easy to find, and you can send them to them, and they can't even seem to see them. It's almost like it, it's almost like they can't actually look at it. The discrimination's gone. The dopamine's low. I don't know if it's DHA gone or something. I don't know what's happening, but I, I really feel like it's a plague. I'm sorry. I know I'm getting strong on this, but I feel, I feel like it's a plague and I feel, I feel very, very, very sorry for them that this is, this is being spread. Just to pick up on one point, uh, before I move on, I read a report not long ago about, and this was happening in one school. I would expect it's probably happening in a lot more than that. And, the kids, I can't remember what age group they were, but it was primary school. So they would have been, if they were in their teens, they would have been early teens, probably younger than that. And the teacher had created a mobile phone time as part of the lesson period. So they had a certain amount of minutes during the lesson, which was blocked off to allow them to fiddle with their mobile phones. And this was done because the teacher basically was unable to prevent the children fiddling with their mobile phones through lessons. So he thought he would try and structure it. When you mentioned the sweet section on the food plate at school made me think maybe sweets are on part of the food plate because basically if they were not there, it would be intolerable because they could not prevent the children shoveling Haribo into their mouths. <laughs> so let's just make it part of the accepted uh, norm. But Quite possibly to move on, uh, sorry, to follow on from what you've just been saying, it seems that you no know, veganism is certainly on the rise. And again, I was reading, I've read several reports recently about this, and it's a lot of younger people who are deciding to, to take this path, dietary path. Now, people of all ages are doing it, but there's a lot of young people doing it. Two things there. One is a lot of it, when you look into it, seems to be sort of a spin-off directly or indirectly from celebrity, celebrity endorsements. Because when celebs come out with a, one diet or another that they say they're following and they kind of look great, you know, as celebrities quite often do because they've got the money to have anything done, any procedure you can name that will keep them trim and keep them looking their skin good and their hair good, etc., etc. So a lot of people are responding to that sort of thing. And we certainly have no shortage of celebrity um, advocates for vegetarianism and veganism. Uh, back to the days of Linda McCartney and her famed sausages, which I have eaten quite a few of, I have to say, over the years. 
Not anymore. Well, so have I, so have I, and I almost farted myself to death. <laughs> but it strikes me that, you know, there's different reasons why you might want to choose, well, any diet really, but in particular, if we're talking about veganism, then there might be health reasons, there's a moral dimension, which we've talked about. People are unhappy with animal cruelty as they see it. But a lot of the younger people, and this is just my uh, subjective view of just my, you know, being out there in the world, a lot of the younger people that are taking up veganism were reasonably healthy to start with. The ones who are just addicted to McDonald's or whatever um, may already be experiencing some health issues and they're not really, uh, veganism is not going to appeal to them. They're just going to think, oh, rabbit food. They're not interested. The people who take the lettuce and tomato out of their McDonald's burger. So when I mentioned earlier experimenting with vegetarianism when I was about 19, it didn't I say there was no impact really because I was already, I was strong and healthy. It was probably in my prime. It'll be interesting to see what happens if we have swathes of, of teens uh, taking on veganism because they think it's the right thing to do, how that might pan out. You know, these are people that are already healthy and to some extent they're already thoughtful, you know, because they're thinking about the world and their impact on it and they're making choices based on that. Well, it is, I always say it comes from a good heart. I have absolutely nothing against vegans. It's the veganism because it's, it's duping them and taking people with good hearts and, and showing them a very, very narrow perspective of, of, uh, ecological and, and moral, um, considerations uh, and they're really not looking very deeply into it it surprised me when i looked deeply into it because i was never a vegetarian or vegan for moral reasons um uh so i was a bit more easy to convince but i was even even i was still very very surprised and i only really realized probably around 2011 uh, what was going on after seeing uh, lier keith's the vegetarian myth thing and then i started to look into it more and what she was saying really did hold up so, yeah, I, I would like to see these celebrities sometime down the line, 10, 20 years down the line, and compare them to the ones who are now into keto. Like, I forget which one it was recently who said, oh, well, her looks are down to a uh, ketogenic lifestyle, so she's gone really low carb. And I forget who it was. And Meryl Streep made a, a, a film back in the, in the 90s about this kid who, who was saved from his... Um, uh, uh, his his uh, uh, seizures, you know, because the ketogenic diet has been used uh, to to control seizures in kids for a long time. It's very effective for that. They haven't, just haven't twigged how effective it is for everything else. I think the, the film's called Above All, Do No Harm, and, and I haven't watched it yet. I was, I, it's all on YouTube. The whole film's on YouTube. I must watch that. But um, yeah, it's 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 been documented both ways. You know, celebrities get into one thing or the other. Uh, but you, you know, it's basing a diet on a celebrity. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't like to judge like that because I don't know. Some celebrity might be doing as much study as I do because people say, "Who are you?" Who, who, I've got a, a blog post on my site saying, "You're, you're not a doctor. Who the fuck do you think you are?" Where I address all of this. But uh, it, some people like us have studied more, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't just discount just because they're celebrities. But I would suspect that if they have come across veganism, they haven't really studied that, that, uh, that, that deeply. Um, so yeah, I, I, I know what you mean about the celebrity thing, but it's, it's funny. I think, you know, I'll, I'll bring this up at this stage, but I've sort of shut up a bit about it since there are certain questions to, as to how it's actually working. And I want to really, really study myself first before, before, before I go too deeply into it again. But this whole deuterium question, um, it, what does it do in our cells and, and what is, um, what is deuterium? It's, it's, uh, it creates heavy water. It's, it's, uh, it's an isotope of hydrogen and it's in a lot of foods that, um, that are in a, ve a vegan, vegetarian or any high carb diet. You know, I put them all together. I'm, I'm not coming down on vegans, on the vegan diet as such. 
any more than I would on a vegetarian diet or, or somebody who eats, uh, uh, you know, a load of pasta and rice and chicken. It, it, it makes no difference whether you're uh, omnivorous or, or, or vegetarian. I think the focus has been wrong. The focus has been more, it, whether it's to do with the carb content or whether it's to do with the deuterium content, they both seem to point in the same direction that it's really good to have as few, uh, let's say, as few carbs as nature would provide in your locality in your season or as little deuterium or as much deuterium as nature would provide in your locality in your season. Both of them seem to point to the same thing. Just look at nature. And, and, and in that, you blow up all these myths, all, all these ridiculous dogma that comes about. Um, so, yeah, that's that. I really want to make this distinction. If any vegan has got this far, who I've argued with before, I have nothing against you personally. Uh, when you're arguing with me and getting angry with me, no, I'm not getting angry back. I'm not at all. I, I, I'm just thinking, wow, why can you not want to look? If you're so interested in diet, why would you not want to look beyond those bounds? Now, I've got this carnivory thing going at the moment only because it's the best thing I've found so far. I've been wrong so many times, or let's not say wrong, I've been through various stages so many times that I think I might well find something completely different. I think I think I'm I'm down to the law of diminishing returns in diets now since I I've, I've done everything practically apart from eat carpet all day. You know, I I I've tried everything. So for my own physiology, I pretty much know what these different things do. But in other areas, but there's always little things to tweak, like which is the best salt? What does salt actually do? How much iodine do we need? What do you actually need organ meats? Or do you, can you just survive on muscle meat? Do we need seafood? Does some of it have to be raw? These are the questions that I'm interested in now. And then outside diet, you know, I'm really interested in the whole vaccine thing, which we're not going to get into because that causes chaos even more than veganism. Um, I, I want to know about deuterium. I want to know about light cycles and, and exactly how this goes. I want to know what's going to happen to my kids because this fucking 4G mast has been put up 70 yards off my back garden. Should I panic as much as I should if there's a 5G thing out the front? You know, we're trying to move anyway to move away from it. I haven't found a suitable house yet. Is it paranoia? You know, all of these things that I'm looking into about health because I don't look at health as diet. A lot of people do. So I'm, I'm always open to new ideas. Every day I'm, I'm looking for new ideas. The group that I have that you're a member of too, you know, it's great fun, 100% carnivore and beyond. Go and check it out, anyone that's listening to this. It's fun. There's some great docs on there, great subjects discussed, and it's very funny too and irreverent. It's not serious. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm always looking for stuff in there and people link me to things in there that I learn about every day. So I'm open. What, I, what troubles me is a closed mind. What troubles me is, is, is a vegan. They come to me and they go, got a closed mind about carnivory. Why don't you look at veganism? Well, it's not that I have a closed mind about veganism. I've been vegan for ages. I've written a book on it. It didn't work. And I see other people and I, I help people out who it's broken time and time and time again. And the ones who are usually arguing, as you say, are the young ones. They haven't had time for it to do the damage yet. I'm here in, in Skelmersdale with the, you know, the, um, TM community. I don't really have much part of it anymore, but I live close to it. And the amount of people who are dying of cancer now, um, and people say, well, it's not the vegetarian diet. Well, I, 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 I don't know. It's a vegetarian diet as much as the really, really high grain and pulse and deuterium again content diet that they're eating. Their teeth are falling out. They're, they're, they're aging really rapidly. Sometimes they can suddenly age in a year. Or, you know, my good friend, uh, uh last year, 
he was probably one of the fittest of all of them, always climbing mountains, uh, slim, lovely guy, really sweet guy. A month later, dead from pancreatic cancer. I'm like, what the hell happened there? And he died three hours uh, uh, away from another friend of mine uh, from brain cancer. And I'm thinking, if vegetarian diet is really that healthy, what's going on? And this is because it's the north of England. Again, it's the high deuterium diet or high carb diet out of the sun. We're going against our circadian biology. If they had just spent a couple of winters eating meat, but they won't because, oh, my guru told me that this was this is 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 unsatvic, you know, unholy. So, um, you know, people are being misled in in these awful ways, and I am not stuck in any dogma. I'm really not. I'm always looking to tweak things, even subtly, 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 as much as I can. I doubt if I'm going to get a total dietary thing to t turn on its head now. I think I've looked at pretty much everything that's possible to eat in my life. But in many other respects, I'm a, I'm a beginner, you know, and, and fascinated with all these aspects of health. And I'm learning every day. And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. So any vegans out there call, call me closed-minded, please don't do that again because I'm really not. I got here because I'm incredibly open-minded and was an open-minded vegan. Well, something you said um, a while ago, uh, made me chuckle about the idea of a militant vegan or someone else stood between a lion and its prey saying, oh no, it's cruel, it's cruel. I mean, presumably the thought along those lines is that carnivorous animals, let's say big cats, you know, in the wild are kind of, you know, not evolved enough or not intelligent enough to figure out that they can eat other things. That's almost like, yes, but we as humans, you know, we're the top of the, the, uh, the, the environmental pile as it were and uh, we are we are free now we can see we're intelligent enough to make these decisions to stop killing and eating animals you know in the past we were too primitive there wasn't anything else available we hadn't yet developed all these other things that we could eat we didn't have agriculture for example we couldn't feed large numbers of people so we were just hand to mouth just trying to survive so there's that idea uh, which is quite persistent and then but try feeding broccoli to lions and see how far you get it's just not, not going to work. Now, uh, thinking about people's... people do some some vegans do feed their cats on vegan cat food. Well, and I think the, that's animal abuse. That's exactly what I was going to get into. Actually, was <laughs> that sorry? <laughs> no, dogs will eat pretty much anything, as far as I can see. Now, there's certain things that dogs will thrive on, but you know, you can give dogs potatoes, broccoli, whatever. Any leftovers off the table, generally they'll wolf it down. Cats, as you say, that's another area. But you do get people, as you say, trying to. But, you know, make your cats vegetarian, but that's ideological along those lines, isn't it? It's like it's one thing to feed your child certain things because of what you believe. You know, maybe when the child is older, older and you know able to make their own informed decisions, they may change that. But I guess my general point here is just about this idea that we're the top of the the evolutionary tree, so therefore we should be making these more evolved and enlightened decisions about what we do. But actually, in the course of our discussion, we've kind of seen how we have evolved through all sorts of disastrous episodes. And actually, maybe now it would be like, well, hang on a minute. We're not working our way towards something better here. We can actually, we've got, there's enough evidence on the table. Now, your life being somewhat of a microcosm of it, we, we've tried all this stuff and w what works. And again, different things will work for different people. But just in general, I think the idea that, uh, the popular idea that a uh, future of, um, us, you know, tofu or what's the other one, corn or whatever, and oh. everyone eating that, that's not going to pan out well. No, no, it isn't going to pan out well. I, I, I think um, in, our, in our last interview where we, we were talking about awakening, 
I think this this is you, you mentioned it there. You know, um, we are a more enlightened society, and so now we can decide not to eat animals. So here's the thing about that: when I was a real spiritual seeker, and it, I, I would think like that, and I'd think, okay, we shouldn't be killing, we shouldn't be doing that, we shouldn't. Be. But then, when the point of our last interview, which was what happened to me in about 2006, where I see I suddenly was, had thrust upon me everything that I was always looking for as a seeker, made me realize how ridiculous all the things are that we have made up as seekers and as spiritual people. It's all total construct. The, the, the universe works exactly as it's supposed to work, including vegans, including factory farming, including everything. Now, also, it's perfect to, 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 to try and get rid of that suffering. That's great. Now, in nature, a, a lion will will kill a zebra and it'll eat it. But when it's full, ze zebras can walk around that, that lion and, and the lion takes no notice. So the lion doesn't think, OK, I'm a lion. I can torture that zebra. So I'm going to do it. So it doesn't. It doesn't bother. But as humans, we do. And I th I don't like that very much. I, I think that's unnecessary. It, 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 the animals don't enjoy it. And, and, and well, whatever's going on, you know, my role seems to be to 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 try and help people to out of their suffering. But do I think suffering's bad? Probably not really, because my greatest suffering was my illness and it took me to all these places in, in many, many areas of my life that I would never have found before. So I would say an enlightened society is a society that just accepts what their natural heritage is. And we have always eaten meat, we've killed it swiftly, uh, probably with far less suffering than uh, a lion would would take down a zebra. You know, when we've had guns, when we've even had spears. Obviously, there are times when the animals suffer. But generally, we, we kill these things quite quickly. We have to because they're big trampoly things and, and they'd squash our heads if we didn't. If we got too engaged with them, we, we'd have some trouble with them. So we've had to find out ways to kill them quite quickly. And... I believe that this is just when when you see things as, as as one organism, as the universe as one organism, when we're just sense organs of the infinite playing our role in that, it becomes a completely different picture when something's killed and eaten. Now, vegans will say to me when I say that, I always get the answer, well, how would you like it if you got eaten by an animal? I wouldn't like it at all. But I wouldn't think you bastard to that animal. I would just think, oh, well, this is the way I go. You know, this is how nature eats itself. And this is my destiny. This is what happens. I wouldn't feel any resentment in that moment for the animal. If I could kill that animal before it killed me, of course I would. Uh, this is how every species is designed. But acceptance of all of that is part of enlightenment. It's a part of waking up to our essential nature as a species. And we have always eaten meat. We anything, anything that says that we haven't is a complete construct. And um, that's where the problem lies, I think. We've become so disassociated with our intelligence, so-called intelligence. Is it a curse? You know, how many people heal by going back to, to what they're supposed to do, by going out and living with an indigenous tribe? And they go, oh, well, it was their food. It wasn't. It was everything. It was the fact that they had their feet on the ground. It was the fact that they saw natural light all the time. It, it, it was the fact that they weren't stressed about their mortgage, you know. And in, in somebody in, some, in, in a tribe in the rainforest, they don't get their house repossessed. 
they don't have billboards up there with different body types saying you should look like this, you should look like that, or you should eat this low-fat spread, or you should, you know, they do what their ancestors did, and they have no guilt about it. They go out, they kill an animal, they come back, they eat it, they get mashed on their local homebrew, and they don't have these diseases. They just don't have them. You were mentioning about animals, and I think this is a really important point, because Animals don't have so many emotional issues, I don't think, and so many other issues that we have with the complexity of our consciousness and, and our intelligence that makes our healing process so complex. If you get a dog, I've seen this many times, uh, photographic evidence of this, where if you get a dog that's been fed kibble and whatever and, and you know, bonio or whatever it is, chum mixers and all that crap, and they get fed that and they get cancer, put them on a raw meat diet, those cancers generally just reverse. You see it again and again and again. It's, it seems to be all, all, a lot easier to, to cure a dog with diet than it does cure a human with diet. With my mum, for example, we, we, we used that kind of a diet, but uh, we had to do other interventions as well. With a dog, quite often, just returning it to its natural ancestral diet is enough because that's the stress we've put on it. It doesn't put its own stresses on. You know, when you're worried about the mortgage, the dog is not worried about the mortgage. It's not got all these stresses. Okay, it's under artificial light a lot. It, that quite often happens. But uh, there, there are other aspects. And probably if it doesn't heal on an all-meat diet, then you, you need to address those too. But, yeah, dog's healing up. Easy. Raw meat diet, bung that to them. The, the tumors go away in no time at all. It's perfectly simple. It's about returning to our ancestral heritage, but it's about dispelling the bullshit that keeps us from realizing what that ancestral heritage is. And a part of waking up is having compassion for ourselves that, yes, we do kill animals and eat them. We do. That's it. Accept it. You're an animal. You're not this weird sort of compassionate, overly compassionate creature that has to sweep bugs out of the way like a Jane in India uh, so as not to step on them. If you want to do that, again, that's your choice. Fine, go and do it. But when you get the militancy that you have to do this and you have to do that, it's a disassociation from our ancestral heritage, in my belief, and, and a, a step in the, in the opposite direction to enlightenment. Well, yeah, I mean, what you just mentioned there is hugely important. Uh, you certainly touched upon several times, and that's the, uh, your mental health, uh, mind and body interaction, where we've discussed in previous interviews, is very, very key. And your psychological state no matter what you're eating, can certainly have a huge negative impact on your physical body. But just a closing thought, Phil, really. We spoke earlier about produce, whatever sort of food we're producing, about trying to do it well, so that all, whether it's animals or plants, so that everything is done in the most ethical manner, the most environmentally friendly manner, that we can manage. And there are great challenges with all of that going forward, as we've discussed. But uh, just getting a little bit metaphysical, I mean, I, I feel that everything is conscious in its own way, that consciousness imbues the cosmos. And so plants are conscious, as far as I'm concerned as well. And that has to be taken into account. So there is no way that you can be in the world without interacting and impacting on the greater consciousness that you're a part of anyway. And um, I said I'd also bring up the subject of carnivorous plants, of which there are over 500 species. And what are they doing? They're simply adapting to the environment that they're in and finding a way that they can survive. And to do that, they're consuming, in most cases, insects, but in some cases, small mammals and birds. Yeah, I saw a great picture the other day where there's one of those um, Venus flytraps or whatever, and it's got an insect in there. And the caption is, you see vegetarians, even plants think you're wrong. <laughs> I thought that was quite amusing. But I think 
I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that and I'd forgotten about it completely. But yeah, I'm looking at this a lot now. And I think this is another tremendous arrogance of human beings where they say, okay, something that's near us, it looks like us. A friend of mine, a great friend of mine, uh, uh, he brought up on my on my Facebook page a little while ago, don't you realize, Phil, you know, when I was arguing with some vegan just for a change, uh, don't you realize, Phil, that, that, that these animals are only worthy of our protection when they've had a starring role in a kid's film? You know, right. if, if, they're, if they're furry and cute and cuddly, that's fine. No one gives a damn about the snakes that are chewed up in combine harvesters. Now, I kept snakes when I was a kid, and I love snakes above all other animals. So, yes, I, I have had, you know, massive, great uh, Burmese pythons and all sorts. I adore them. So it occurs to me that snakes are being chewed up in the combine harvest. It doesn't occur to vegans. So, um, yeah, and the plants, they there's a load of research now that says that they're perfectly aware. If you play the, 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 the sound of a caterpillar munching a leaf to a plant, it will uh, produce a certain chemical that would put caterpillars off. If you, uh, the, the, the giraffes, they always eat upwind because when you're chewing a leaf of one tree, it will spread some chemical to another tree that, that gets them to produce a chemical that makes the leaves taste bitter. You know, there's, there's all this incredible intelligence going on in the plant world. And because we, uh, we have a certain type of consciousness, we think that this type of consciousness is the only consciousness that's valid. So we say, okay, we can't eat the furry animals, but we can eat the green animals that grow out of the ground, the, the plants. Now, I know this is a bit ridiculous because I think you should eat a plant if you want. You should eat an animal if you want. I'm just trying to point out how ridiculous it is uh, and speciesist it is saying, uh, assuming that consciousness is greater in one thing than another. When you've had one of those great big moments where the whole of the universe turns upside down and you see everything as consciousness, it's hard to again take seriously somebody who takes their consciousness seriously and says, well, my dog or cat needs protecting and I'd never eat them, but I'll eat that, you know, and I'll eat that plant and that broccoli. I, I don't see it really. There's something odd going on there that is just filtered through our own conditioning and dogma. So excellent point there. I like that. Okay, well, I think we'll wrap up there for today, Phil. We've been discussing, obviously, all aspects of the carnivore diet and or lifestyle and vegetarianism, veganism, and pretty much everything in between with a few more metaphysical spin-offs. You mentioned the 30-day sort of challenge earlier. Uh, certainly, if people are considering this or they want to look at it, or even if they're not remotely considering it in a million years, but they just want to see how the other half lives... If they want some more information on some of the things you've been talking about, uh, the Facebook group that you mentioned is a very good source, but there are many, many others. So why not throw out, yes. uh, throw out any info you'd like to there, including your own website or any recommendations that you have? Yeah, I will. I would say definitely, um, look at, uh, look at the Facebook, no, the website called Zero Carb Zen. There's a whole load of information on there, loads of very interesting testimonials, loads of stuff about one thing we didn't touch on, vitamin C, why that's not needed on a fully carnivore diet. Um, uh, lots of info on there, everything you could really want to ask. There's Sean Baker's group, uh, World Carnivore Tribe, I think, on Facebook. Uh, he's got his websites, <coughs> meatheals.com, I think, and N equals many. His Joe Rogan, no, his Joe, his Joe Rogan interview is great, uh, Sean's, but also uh, his, he did one with Rob Wolf recently where he goes through his blood results uh, after doing, you know, hundreds of vegans who weren't sending him death threats. 
uh, were, were shouting for his blood results and they go through those one by one which is very interesting uh, which shows that there's nothing really wrong with being carnivore he's been like 15 16 months now I think and low carb before that um, uh, what else there's, there's, uh, um, there's, there's yes zeroing in on health there's uh, keto gains there's a few websites out there that are to do with all this keto and low and carnivorous but carnivory Yes, my group, 100% carnivore and beyond. I, I liked, I like the and beyond bit. I like to get into all the consciousness bit, the, the emotional stuff, the, the light cycles, the, you know, everything. Um, my friend, Dr. Jack Cruz, is on that too, along with some other great doctors like Paul Mabry. There's a great resource, Zero Carb Doc. Um, Paul Mabry, Dr. Paul Mabry, he's, uh, he's a zero carb guy. Um, tremendous mine of information on his website and on his Facebook group. Um, yeah, lots and lots of good talks out there. Amber O'Hearn, she's great. Uh, yes, a lot, lot, lot of uh, interesting things out there. And if you delve into that, you'll see that it's really, really not so much of a minority thing anymore. Um, the Western Price books to see what the tribes were doing. Fat of the Land by Stephenson. Lots of good stuff out there. That's about all I can think of at the moment. Sorry if I missed anyone. Well, once again, Phil, thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. It's a pleasure again, Greg. Speak to you again soon.